Hello, all you Peter King podcast listeners. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Peter King. Podsurvey.com slash Peter King. And take a quick anonymous survey that'll help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed this quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, podsurvey.com slash Peter King. Thanks for your help. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, post-Super Bowl podcast, and you're going to get a heavy dose of Tampa Bay Bucks uh, after the Bucks' 31-9 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 55. Um, I'm going to start this podcast on Wednesday morning before Tampa Bay, uh, the coaches and players and staff went to the boat parade uh, in Tampa. I spent some time with Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator of the Bucks, And then I'm going to bring you into a couple of shorter and probably a little bit frenetic uh, conversations I had post-game, first with Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Bucks, and then with uh, uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of the Bucks. So this is all coaches all the time on the post-Super Bowl podcast. Before we get to the Super Bowl, I want to say one thing about the quarterback scenario in the NFL. Um, I think we are at a time this offseason that's going to be very different from most times in the NFL in, when you enter an offseason. And, and, and what has happened, I think, is that quarterbacks are really starting to flex their muscles. And you saw it with Matthew Stafford going in the day after the regular season ended to ownership and saying, I don't want to be a jerk about this, but I want to leave. I want out. Um, please try to trade me. And then the Lions traded him. So two mega quarterback stars at different points in their lives, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, obviously changed teams. And now I think you're seeing um, – you know, with what has happened with Russell Wilson this week, uh, a lot of uh, sort of following that pattern. Russell Wilson went to the game, went to the Super Bowl on Sunday. I looked up at one point on the camera. I don't get to see the game the way America sees it because I was in the press box for this. And when you're in the press box at the Super Bowl, you catch snippets, but you, the TV is not on. So you don't really see it. I looked up at one point and there's Russell Wilson looking not altogether happy. And I think it has to pain him to watch Tom Brady, quite honestly. Not, he loves Tom Brady, but it has to pain him watching Tom Brady step into a just-add quarterback team and win the Super Bowl his first year when uh, Russell Wilson you know, does not have a just-add quarterback in Seattle. And Look, I have not talked to Russell Wilson, so I'm only guessing, especially after listening to his Dan Patrick interview this week, in which he mentioned the fact, hey, you know, I've been sacked 400 times. 
Russell Wilson is always very, very respectful to his offensive line. And when I heard that, it's clear that he's talking to, I think, ownership, talking to the front office, coaching staff. Listen, I'm pretty good at my job. I've started every game for this team for nine years. We made the playoffs, whatever, seven or eight times. We've been to two Super Bowls. We need to realize what we have here and start drafting and uh, getting people into the building that are going to help me a little bit more than has been the case here. Now, you might say to yourself, well, what chance does this have of happening? You know, is John Schneider, the general manager, who's great at his job, going to pick up the phone and say, okay, Russell, why don't you come in next week? We'll have a long conversation. Uh, you can take me up and down the roster and let's just have an off-the-record conversation. I just don't think John Schneider is going to do that. The reason I don't think he's going to do that is that he grew up in the Ron Wilson school. Uh, Ron Wilson, Ron Wolf school. And the Ron Wolf school is that, okay, listen, hey, coaches, you go do your job. Players, you go do your job. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to get the players for the coaches to coach. I'm going to get the players to play. And so I don't think John Schneider is going to say to Russell Wilson, yep, come on in. You can, you know, you can maybe uh, uh, help us with free agent offensive linemen or whatever. So I'm not sure altogether that that's going to be successful. That asking John Schneider, who was smart enough to pick Russell Wilson with the 75th pick in 2012, um, after nobody else did for two complete rounds, um, I don't see John Schneider sort of including Russell Wilson in his kitchen cabinet. Now I could be wrong, but I don't see it. And I, but I just think what we're seeing is different in the NFL right now. We're seeing uh, Carson Wentz, you know, who really should not be this way at this point in his career, not responding well to coaching, not responding well in 2020 to Doug Peterson. And, you know, we're seeing Deshaun Watson, who is one of the nicest human beings uh, anybody's met. Uh, I, I, it's hard to see Deshaun Watson get so angry that he plays hardball and says, I'm not playing for this team anymore. So what's happening now, I'm, I don't know it's a sea change, but it's definitely a change. Quarterbacks are feeling their oats. Quarterbacks are exercising their power a little bit. I don't know how it ends in every case, but I do think this is a different time in a different place in the NFL where an awful lot of quarterbacks are acting like James Harden, LeBron James. They're acting like the big stars and they're saying, include me. So let's get to our first conversation this week. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator of the Bucks, uh, who uh, you know basically is their play caller, and we got into an awful lot about what happened, happened in the Super Bowl and also what it's been like to work with Tom Brady. So happy to be joined on the podcast by the Super Bowl champion offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Byron Leftwich. Byron, as we record this, you are squeezing me in, and I really appreciate you doing this because you guys are about to go on your little uh, victory parade on the boat. Uh, around Tampa. So what's the last 48 hours been like for you? Uh, crazy, really. Just crazy. Just a really a big celebration. Big celebration with family, big celebration with 
you know, your football family, everyone's that involved, right? In order to get this far and to have this feeling, it was a lot of people that had to commit and, you know, do a great job for us to get here. So it's a really a big celebration. You get a true appreciation of everyone that's involved in these type of moments. So it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy 48 hours, but it's something I like. So when we, when I think back on this game, the one thing I will think is, and again, the wrong word is easy, okay? But everything was so smooth. Look, look on, on defense, uh, you know, your, your, your guys played really well, obviously. On offense, it seems like almost everything you tried worked. You know, Leonard Fournette with power, Leonard Fournette through gaps, um, you know, bringing in uh, so many receivers during the late course of the year. Bruce Arians told me after this game, Peter, I knew we were going to win this game. And this wasn't just a, hey, you know, I was really confident. He said, I knew we were going to win this game. And you said something similar after the game in your press conference. Why did you know? I just felt confident in, you know, what we what we had as a game plan, who we are and what we become as a team. Uh, it was really about a more confidence in the team on where we, I've been around a lot of good football teams and where we've been at the past two, three, four weeks, we've been getting better every week, you know, and the, the tough part for us, we, we'll be so much better a month from now. We was kind of wishing that we could have four more games to play <laughs> to, just, to just keep repping, to just keep, you know, seeing how far we can take this thing. So we felt as though we were getting better. We knew it was a different football team than they played before. And we felt confident. I, we felt very, very confident in what we were going to try to do and who we were playing. We know these guys are a good football team, but the players gave us confidence that we was going to go out here and try to find a way to win this football game. But we was real confident in our ability to go out here and win this football game on this type of stage. So Byron, week 12, you lose to Tampa, or you lose to Kansas City, 27-24. Um, and, you know, it obviously you guys came back late in that game, but for the first, whatever, two and a half quarters, whatever, they were, it was kind of a mismatch. And then you have your bye week. You had the latest bye week in the NFL in a few years. And then when you came out of that bye week, since that game, starting in week 14, in those eight games, you guys averaged 34 points a game. Uh, you were never eliminated on, on offense. You were never really shut down or never really completely slowed down. What happened in that bye week, if anything, to really help you guys play better? Just time, really. Just time. For, it allowed me and Tom to step away, right? We got a chance to step away and to see what we're doing well and what we're not doing so well. It gave our guys, it gave him time to get better understanding of Mike, of Chris, because before that point, we wasn't really practicing. Like we were so unhealthy early in the year. It was two weeks where Mike wasn't in the huddle, two weeks where Chris wasn't in the huddle. So we were losing guys and not for long period of time, but we wasn't practicing together. So we would have practice reps where Tom is practicing with no guy that's going to be in the game on Sunday just because we were that unhealthy. So what it did, it, gave, it allowed us to build depth during the process, but it also gave us an opportunity that when we got everyone back and healthy, now we could begin to practice. Now we can go out and play better because everything was on the run. We didn't have preseason. We didn't have OTAs. 
to work through the kinks that we was that we knew we was gonna have to go through. So we knew it was gonna be tough early on. Me and Tom would always say we just gotta win during the process. And the key to this season really is starting off at six and two while we're still working on we're a work in progress, but we were still able to start off six and two. That put us in a good position. You know, I'll go back to uh luckily uh, the first practice of your season in August where offense played against defense. Um, it was around, I don't know, August 11th or 12th, but I happened to be there at camp that day and I was watching. And there's one scene I'll always remember. Um, the first interception Brady ever threw uh, to, to your defense, okay? It was, uh, there was a free agent receiver named Cyril Grayson, okay? <laughs> yeah. And... And he sort of busted his root on this play. And Mike Edwards, your, one of your safeties, came right into the hole, picked it up, or picked it off, and ran in for the touchdown. And the defense went absolutely bat crap. But what was so interesting is that I look over at Brady. Brady doesn't even watch Edwards run the ball down the field. I'm watching Brady, and he goes right to you like, okay, hey, what's the next play? So that really, you know, I, I thought that's so Brady. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And that's just who he is, really. And we knew that. I mean, we talked about, hey, we're going to throw some bad balls. We're going to be in the wrong spot sometimes. But we got to get it out of the way now. So let's try to rep it as much as we can. And that was our mindset the whole training camp, especially the first two weeks. Let's just get this stuff wrapped on tape. So we can talk about it. Cause at that point we still haven't practiced. We had I've never been in a huddle. They've never been in a huddle together to practice until that moment. So it was like, Hey man, let's get the kinks out of the way. We knew it'd be a little shaky early, but we knew we could still win football games the way we needed to win football games. So we just was, we just understood the process. Me and him understood the process. We knew our ultimate goal is to be playing our best book football in December. And once we got there, things started to click, and that's when we became a dangerous football team. I think your your point about practice is so interesting to me for this reason. When Brady beat uh, Atlanta in that Super Bowl, when they came back from being 28-3 to three down, you know the two receivers he threw the ball most to in the fourth quarter in overtime? Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell. They aren't even household names in their own houses. <laughs> But the reason is, and Brady told me after this, he said, Peter, 122 practices. You get to know guys. And yes. so I, I kept thinking about that late in your season, especially on the throw to Scotty Miller in Green Bay right before halftime. He knew exactly where to yes. throw the ball because he'd been practicing with Scotty Miller. He knew how fast he was. He knew how much arc to put on the ball. And that, to me, is it's not, it's not really a secret of Brady. That is really one of the keys to his success. He truly believes that every practice you're going to get better. Yes, yes. And that's how he approaches it. And it forces the other guys to approach it that way. So you actually do go out and practice and get better. You don't waste days. You know, we very seldom waste a day. We used every time we had to get better. And that's part of having a guy like him as your quarterback leading the, leading the ship in that way. So... We're a hard practicing team. This is a team that practices extremely hard. And these guys want to get better. They wanted to get to this point. So 
I mean, the work that they put in throughout the year, they, they've earned this. They've earned this opportunity to be Super Bowl champs because the work that they put in throughout the year. Let's talk a couple of things about the Super Bowl. I wonder, you know, I've read uh, that on the, with six seconds left in the first half, that in Brady throws the laser to Antonio Brown right in his gut as he's, you know, sort of fallen down that Brown actually made the wrong read on that play. I guess it was a choice route and he went the way that it, it didn't seem. What exactly happened on that play? Well, it, it was a route that we had and it's kind of a choice route, but I always tell Tom he's going to win. So even if he don't do it the way that you seeing it, still throw him the ball because he's going to win against a guy one-on-one. You know, I tell him that all the time because that's who A.B. has always been since he was a rookie in Pittsburgh. He wins. He wins. And I knew it was an option route, so we knew that it wouldn't be an exact route. We knew we would give him time to win. And we got off the sideline after, and me and him just kind of looked at each other. We just, like, nodded and said, yep. Kind of what we thought about, what we talked about. We got everything we wanted in that situation to have that type of play work in that type of game when we've had, like, we had conversations about exactly that. And what he ended up doing, it was kind of a freestyle thing, but we knew that he would win. <laughs> Logically, should he was was the read that he probably should have gone to the pylon and instead he cut to the left? No, he's actually he actually did the right thing. He actually did he actually got to the right spot, I should say. Now, how he got to the spot okay. was his own little way, but he got to the right spot. He, he got to the spot to get the ball. And, and A.B. knew that. He knew I'm getting here to get this ball. So I did all this to get this ball in this spot. So it's right. it's a calculated. It's, it's not just, it's calculated with A.B. And it's been that way all the time. He's a very instinctive, smart football player. And he has those type of instincts. So it was just more, Tom, you just be ready to put this ball on him wherever he goes with the understanding that he's going to win. 37 seconds left in the first quarter. Gronk comes into sort of a, almost for him, like a jet motion. You know, it wasn't just a regular <laughs> jog motion. He's really coming fast. And, I, and I'm watching this play on replay, and he ends up getting a little swing pass to the left from Brady. Nobody touches him. It's a touchdown. And Byron, I, I kept thinking to myself, he is really quick right now he's really fast right now you're used to seeing Gronk especially late in the year kind of lumbering after the ball I mean you really had Gronk at, at his athletic best I would think as you went down the stretch of this season yeah he was moving he was healthy he was uh it was kind of something that we've been doing in the running game and he's been blo blocking that backside defense in all time on tape you know blocking the backside guy and we knew if we can get to that area of the field and bring him and run him in the flat, we got a good chance of being clean, especially with the guy trying to cover him from the opposite side of the field. So we knew it once we called it, we knew we were set up. Once we saw the framework of the defense, we knew it was a good chance. It was going to be a touchdown. Man, he was flying coming around that corner. When he caught that ball, there was nobody stopping him from getting in the end zone because that was something that we talked about. I got a score on this. It's going to be a guy trailing you. I got to get through that tackle and find a way to get this ball in the end zone. So he caught that ball with the awareness that he's getting in the end zone, as we all saw. And that's just who he is. He lights up in these type of moments, man. I mean, he's the best tight end ever. And he's getting passes from the best quarterback ever. So 
and they know each other. So it was, you know, Grunk has been excellent for us, excellent human being, excellent energy that he brings to us every day. And it's good to see him playing well like this. On that particular play, when you repped it during the week or in the two weeks before it, was was uh, was Gronkowski really confident that this was going to work for a touchdown? It, it was something after that he's never done. He's never caught a touchdown really on that route. You know, it was something that we talked about. He's like, no one never asked me to do this because he's such a bigger guy. You normally know have your smaller guys doing that. But I knew what we were doing in the run game. It will, we, we'll match it up to something that we're doing in the run game and give ourselves a chance to get him clean on the back door. And it, it just so happened to work out for us the way that we designed it. His touchdown in the second quarter on Legereus Sneed. Look, you've been watching the tape. I just think Legereus Sneed is one of the best defensive rookies in the NFL this year. Now, he had an injury for a while, but he is. He was as important, I thought, down the stretch as Tyron Matthew to this team. And, yes. and so Gronk is on Legereus Sneed, and he really put a great fake on him so that he was wide open. What did you see on that play, and why did you think that would work? Well, it started, I thought the ball would get up sooner, to be honest with you, but the protection was so well. The protection was so well, and Thomas got an opportunity to get back to him. If it wasn't for the protection allowing Thomas to get back inside the mic, because we got a holding call on that. So Mike would have been clean too, but the guy kind of grabbed him, which made Tom get back off for him and get back to Grunt. So it never happens unless you had the protection that we had on that play. But that's just him and Grunt having the instincts, having awareness of where that ball is going to be, especially that late in the down. That's Grunt making a special, unique awareness play, getting to a soft spot and just winning versus this guy in a one-on-one situation. Byron, there has to be one play in this game um, that you're particularly proud of that. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just sort of grasping at straws here, but is there a play that happened in the game when you look back on it, that really makes you smile that, that you think was a, uh, was, uh, you know, was kind of a perfect play to run at the time and it did end up working. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever believe in perfect plays. I just think of trying to execute them at a high level versus whatever they're doing, and any play can work out in a perfect manner. But obviously, uh, we were doing some things in the run game. The Leonard Fournette run there in the third quarter it was something that was really set up throughout the game. Really of setting up, of understanding how they're going to play us, understanding what they're doing defensively, and it was things that we talked about. So the great thing for us, we had a lot of things that we talked about throughout, throughout the week that showed itself, showed itself in the game. And the most important thing that our guys were ready for, they were ready for the situation and they were ready, they was prepared as can be, they're ready to go out here and execute at a high level. So it, it was just amazing of all the conversations we had for two weeks and how the game turned out on Sunday evening to, uh, it just shows that if we all work together and understand what we need to do, the things that we talk about will show his hand and we was able to execute at a high level. Technically, before that, explain just a little bit, if you can, about setting up that four-net run. What did you do to set it up? And then how did you know that that particular call would turn into a 27-yard touchdown? I don't like to go into too many details to tell too much, okay. but it was just, it was just, we know what we are. We knew what they was preparing for. We knew what they saw. We knew, uh, we know our 
we self-scout ourselves. So we know what other teams see against us too. You know, we know, we know all those things. So we do a really good job of self self-scouting ourselves, having awareness of what guys are seeing and what they're gonna try to defend against. And so it was just, I don't really want to go into too much yeah. detail, but it was just we had we had an idea that we'll have a chance to come around that corner. Once Ali got around outside, I knew it. I knew it was only one guy out there with the corner. So once I seen Leonard get inside the block, I normally knew that's a big play coming. So once he stuck his right foot in the ground and got vertical, I knew there was a chance that that was the big one. That hole was really good. I'll tell you what, this Tristan Wirfs can play football. <laughs> that was a heck of a draft choice by you guys, really. Yes, I mean, it's amazing. Um, I'm shocked that this 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 kid acts like he's 35 years old, the way his demeanor his yeah. I mean, I'm really, man. I mean, you don't have to say his name. We got a rookie tackle where, you know, his name has been brought up once. And that was early in the year on the Thursday night football game. And he learned from that. And man, what he's able to do out there from I mean, he keeps our pocket clean. And this is a rookie. This is a rookie who's only going to get better. He's physical. He's he attaches to guys. Once he get attached to guys, they're connected. So it's it's just, he's an amazing guy, man. He's coming in here as a rookie and played a high level football for us from the second he walked in the huddle. Did you, have you had a chance to have a moment with Brady either after the game or in the couple of days since? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, We've we've had a like a lot of conversations about what we talked about when we first met each other in March. Our ultimate goal was to get to this point. The work that was put in, obviously, we congratulating each other, we hugging each other. You know how that go. We in the we in the celebratory mode, man. So it's a lot of uh, you know, a lot of hugs, a lot of thank yous from both parts because we know how tough a job we had this year and we knew we can get it done. We knew we can find a way to get it done. We believed in this team, this team. We got a good football team here, man. And it was it was exciting to see these guys be able to experience this, be able to experience the confetti falling on them. It's a unique thing. This is a uh, it's something that no one will never forget. This is a bond that we've built forever. No one can take this away from us. Is it more rewarding for you to play quarterback in the NFL at a very high level or to coach at a high level and to win a Super Bowl, making a real contribution as the coach? Well, if you'd have asked me that as a player, I would have said player. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, I guess I got to lean the other way because I've had an opportunity as a player to have this feeling. And I have an opportunity as a coach right now to have this feeling. And this is a little different feeling. <laughs> it's a little different feeling. Wouldn't say that it's better because anytime you have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, it's a beautiful thing. but this is a great feeling, man. This is a great feeling because all the work, because of we were fighting the virus, all we had to go to, the, man, it, everything got so routine. You didn't see no one else. You go to work, you see your football family, you go home, you see your regular family. You're not conversating with people outside of the football building. So it's, it was just a tough year for everyone, uh, but I love the way we fought through everything that came our way. And our main goal was to get better every opportunity we got. We did that throughout the year, and it showed itself uh, on Sunday. You obviously don't see this because you don't – I'm assuming you don't watch your games. But the one thing I noticed during the course of the year, I always thought in New England 
I thought you could see when Tom Brady was on the sidelines with Josh McDaniels, he was looking at him sort of as a peer, you know, as sort of, you can really help me win. And he, he, he dealt with you the same way. I mean, I watched so many of your games this year. It was always him looking at you kind of as an equal, you know, as a peer. So he truly believed watching you this year, Byron Leftwich can help me win games. That had to be a really good feeling for you, developing that kind of relationship with a guy who probably is the greatest ever. Yeah, and, and it kind of started that way. Uh, I don't know how much he trusted me early, but I know he trusts me now. You know, we've developed that trust over time. You know, the first thing happened when two people meet each other, the first thing, oh, trust me. Well, no, you got, you got to build trust. <laughs> so I understood that. So we had to be around each other, even though we liked each other, the friendship, it clicked off from the beginning. We had to build trust in each other. I had to trust that what, how he was going to see certain things, what he was going to do on certain concepts. And he had to trust that I'll constantly keep putting him in position to have success. And we just worked on it. We just worked on it. It's amazing to have this type of guy to be able to, to coach and help because he, he's a guy that's as great as he is. And you hear the stories about all the guys, the great guys of their sport. From day one, he's been, I'm executing whatever you say, whatever you want to do. Uh, obviously we game plan together throughout the week, but on game days, he's a different, he's like, you call it, I'm hitting everything. <laughs> you just call it, I'm hitting everything because- Did he say that him. before this game? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He, he's always like that. He's always, yeah. I mean, it'd be sometimes it was, sometimes I would ask him, hey, you like this or you like this better? Because sometimes in certain situations, the quarterbacks say, hey, I like this over this. And most of the time he's like, hey, you hot, call it. You call it, I'm executed. I'll put the ball in the right guy's hands that we talked about. And the thing that's big with him, he always say, we always communicate. He's like, we always gonna know where this ball is going. Me and you gonna know where this ball is going. Nobody else may not know where the ball is going, but in every situation, me and you gonna have an understanding of where this ball going. And once we got the clicking of that nature, I, I can do a better job. Once I got to learn them and learn them in situational football, I can be a better play caller for him. So the more we learned each other throughout the year is the I, I just became a better play caller for him to put him in position to have success. Play calling for Tom Brady and you won a Super Bowl. That is really cool. Think That's big, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's big, man. That's big to be in this situation to be Super Bowl champs, uh, to do it with the Bucks despite everybody's opinion of what this organization has been in the past. It's been a great thing. It's been a great for Mike Evans, Cameron Bray, Levante David, these guys that's been here forever, right? And they've been working their tail off to win football games, to see the smiles on these guys' faces, for the trust in them to give all of us, really, as a coaching staff, for them to believe in us in the way that they believe in us, to go out and work as hard as they do so we can have these type of opportunities is, that's what it's all about. We built something that'll last forever here. You had a really interesting moment after the game where some uh, reporter asked you basically about your defense. <laughs> and and I'm just going to play it right here. Hold on. Going into the game, what was your number one goal on the defensive side to, to shut Mahomes down, shut that high-powered offensive down? What was your guys' number one goal going into that game? Shut Pat Mahomes down. 
think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I ain't had nothing to do with that. That was Todd. That was the <laughs> So what was your reaction when you heard that question? What really did you want to say, Byron Leftwich? <laughs> uh, obviously, I, I don't hold nothing back. So I said what I wanted to say uh, yeah. to people that know me. Uh, <laughs> It was just a unique moment. I was on such a high anyway, though. We was on such a high. We just left out the locker room with everybody. Like I said, we was in a celebratory mood. So it was really, it didn't really matter at that point, at that time, really, to be honest with you, because we were already floating around, riding high, because we just found a way to win the Super Bowl. So I guess those type of things happen. We'll just move on from that. Yeah. Hopefully I can get in that situation again. Hopefully he'll know who I am. <laughs> you know, I, I'll end with this. I have been on this kind of mission. I've written about it. I've talked about it. That I don't think coaches should be interviewed for head coaching jobs till after the Super Bowl. And the reason is, you know, how in the world could this season have happened? And you have all the coaching vacancies. You have seven coaching vacancies. And uh, basically, Todd Bowles, is interviewed twice, but he knows right at the start they don't. He's not going to get a job. You don't even get interviewed. How do you feel about that, and whether you think it really might help to wait until after the Super Bowl to do all these interviews and to hire coaches? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if that played a factor into it. Really, I don't know if. Uh, so that would mean that they would have needed to see us coach in the last two games to determine if we are capable of doing our job or good at our job. If you look at what me and Todd done pretty much since we've been here, I think we've done a above average job. No question. Uh, so it's, it's, I don't know if those two games or anything help. I, I really don't understand. I really don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know if it changes anything. The good thing for me is that I know just, I can speak for Todd. I can speak for Keith. Our whole job is, to help these players be the best football players they can be. Uh, so if we just focus on that, all the other stuff will come for us individually, right? But we, we just wanna, you know, help as being former players, man, you've been sometimes where you've been in situations where you, you know, you was in position where you can't play your best. So, you know, my whole thought, I know Todd thinks of it this way, we're trying to put these guys in position to play their best football. Uh, it's not about us as coaches to be honest. We had our time to play. <laughs> this is about this is a players' league. So our whole goal is to get these guys in position so they can be at their best and put them in position so they can have success. That's our whole mindset. That's our goal week in and week out. So what comes after that will come. If we just keep that same focus, that same mindset, hopefully we'll be in enough opportunities for people to be able to see our abilities to uh, coach in this league. Byron Leftwich, congratulations on a great game plan, great execution of it. Um, you guys, it was so, it was really interesting to watch because one of the things I love about football is that in week 12, if you just play that on replay, particularly like the first 30, 40 minutes of the game, you say, oh my God, the Chiefs, they're just so powerful. They're this, they're that, they can't be stopped. And that just isn't the case. <laughs> every team has an Achilles heel. Every team has something that you can attack. You guys figured it out. You should be proud of yourselves. And I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. 
Thanks for having me, man. You know it anytime, buddy. Anytime. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. And now my post-game conversation with Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Peter, go ahead. They're trying to get hey, me. Bruce. What up, Pete? Hey, Bruce, who did you just tell you loved him? Byron. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're gonna. I bet you're gonna say I love you a lot tonight. <laughs> no, I already. I, yeah, I already have, and uh, I'm gonna say a bunch more, man. Uh, yeah. A bunch more. I got such a kick out of it when you sent me a a, a fist and uh, and a and a little glass of bourbon today, um, and, Crown. and I just said, Crown. "Oh, that's Crown Royal." Okay, good. <laughs> so, but but I got just such a kick out of it because you're you're always you, you know. Well, we have to be, Pete. I mean, um, I mean if, if you start changing. Um, I don't even know where you go. You know what I mean? If you, yeah. can't stay, if you can't stay you in this business, it's hard anymore with all the talking heads and all the shows and everybody ripping your ass. And, you know, somebody's got to rip you throw it. Somebody else can like you. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like the country, you know, yeah. it has to be a division. Everything has, everything yeah. has to be division and, uh, you get really tired of it after a while. Yeah. Hey, um, can I, can I just ask you what, you know, it's kind of coincidental that your four imports, Brady, Gronk, Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette, all of them have just come onto this team in the last 11 months. They're the four people who engineered all the touchdowns. Can you just tell me what it feels like to know that in this totally bizarre year, pandemic year, everything like that, that, you guys were able, without requisite practice and all that other stuff, to get this organized so that all the new guys are the ones who score the points to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, Pete, I mean, this this crew started in August. We knew we had to beat the virus before we could beat anybody. So that, yeah. that, that took them a, a commitment and a sacrifice. You had to sacrifice your family and everything so that we could beat the virus. Jason yeah. did an unbelievable job of adding pieces to that, and they bought in. They they were bought, yeah. they bought in. All those guys have been to the playoffs. Uh, they knew what it took. Um, really happy for Leonard because, I mean, he went through some really down times there. 
and uh, and he came back and showed what he's really capable of. You mean uh, downtimes in Jacksonville or, or here? No, here. I mean, it, it went yeah. two, two or three weeks there where Rojo was unbelievable, and then I said, look, dude, he could get hurt at any moment. Just keep him hanging there. Hang in there. Your time will come, and yeah. your, role, your role can change, and it did. And Rojo gets COVID, then he breaks his finger, and uh, all of a sudden Leonard's the guy, and uh, and he ran with it. So really, really proud of him. Yeah. How about How about Gronk? coming out tonight with the first two touchdowns. I know you talked about the route he ran, but what when you think of this game, what are you proud of for Gronkowski? Oh, just just his it's been blocking his ass off. You yeah. know, and not targeted, just we've been doing a lot of max protecting um and and, and run past stuff and uh I'm so happy for him to get in the end so you know and uh I I know he set some kind of record as far with with Brady, as far as catches in Super Bowl, yeah, they've now had more. They now have more playoff yeah. touchdowns and than Montana really, to Rice. Really happy. I mean, really happy for them. I mean, Gronk works his ass off, and, and I mean, yeah. never said a word. Say no targets this week. You're just blocking. I'm good, coach. I'm good. And wow. uh, yeah, so when he gets his shots, I was really happy for him. So all all this year, he's never said, "Get me the ball more." Never. No, what's the plan? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Not once. Wow. Not once. Wow. None of our guys have. Yeah. My guess how did is, that? How did that happen? That's incredible to it, have it, all these stars and nobody's ever pissed off. Mike Evans is the most unselfish superstar I've ever been around. You know, yeah, he wants the ball, but it's like never to a point where, hey, let's get him the ball. I tried to get him the ball in, in Green Bay and screwed it up and made Tom throw a pick, but. uh Chris Godwin, Mike, they're also unselfish. So when AB came, you had to be the same way or you were gone. Yeah. And how has he been? He's Antonio. Been a, he's been a dream child. He's just as happy for everybody. I said, when Mike or Chris gets a touchdown, you better be the first one to congratulate him. And he has been. Wow. Because he wasn't that way with the Steelers. I don't think he gra- he congratulated Juju once. The whole time he was there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's he's matured a bunch. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, two other quick things. Have you had a moment with Brady yet? Yeah, we had a couple. We had a couple up on stage because my wife's never met him. Wow. Because the you know I your wife all... got a chance to meet him today. Up on the stage for the, yeah, up on the stage when we get the Super Bowl trophy. He met the kids. And because uh, you know, I always that's the craziest the, thing. Yeah, I usually have all the kids. And, you know, our Saturday mornings are my favorite time. All the yeah. people that are in town, the moms, the dads, everybody comes over. And they have kids run around, and we then we have our walkthrough. And um, yeah. I used to love it in Arizona because Larry Fitzgerald would stay out there and tackle all the kids. Yeah, and, yeah. We missed that so much this year, and I can't say enough about our 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 guys are so close, but they couldn't eat together. Yeah. And, Sure, Gronk still doesn't know everybody's name. Wow. But, but they've pulled for each other so hard and made a commitment to each other um, that uh, I, I just feel I knew we were going to win this game. Wow. How did you know? The way we practice, the way we've been playing. I mean, people don't give us credit, man. Our defense is good. And <laughs> we don't turn it over. I mean, we, we went up and kicked out of Green Bay. 
and I, I knew Todd would have a great plan. After we played him the first time, we learned our lesson, and yeah. he had a great plan. They were not getting that in the end zone. He shut out Aaron <laughs> Rodgers in the red zone and shut out Mahomes in the red zone. Just a great yeah. plan. Yeah. I'm glad, um, I'm glad the hiring process is over so I get to keep both of them. <laughs> you're glad, but you're not glad probably, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So tell me about your moment with Brady. What what was it like between you guys in that moment? I told him, I said, hey, dude, remember our first conversation? He said vividly, so we're gonna, you come, we'll win the Super Bowl. We got the you talent. said that to him. Yeah, and and he says you could, we we have the talent, and I said you you just got to get them to believe, and um, and it, it came to fruition. He said vividly. Yeah. Wow. Did you really know? I knew he was the missing piece because we were yeah. so talented last year, and, and with yeah. that young secondary coming on, I knew I knew we could be really really good defensively and all we needed was a leader. Yeah. And I love Jameis, but Jameis wasn't he wasn't the guy. Yeah. Um and you were up on the stage when when you had that exchange? Uh, actually we were on the field. We we were on, the, were field. on the field. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just let my wife have that moment with him up on the stage cuz it was precious to me. That's incredible that your wife has not met Tom Brady until tonight. Yeah. What a year. What a year. That's, what an effing year. That's, that speaks volumes of the whole year. Yeah, that is. That speaks volumes. Bruce, did you know that, you know, when you got this job in Arizona and you were the last head coach hired that year, I'll never forget the conversation we had that night. You said, Man, how about your coach of the year in Indianapolis, and you can't even get a job? And you said, "Yeah." He said, "These people saved me," and you know that was that was so fortuitous. It would have been such a crime for you not to have this chance. Anyway, well, you know, uh, Pete, I have to I have to thank Mike Brown, my agent, who's passed away. God bless him. Yeah, uh, because I wasn't even going to take that interview in Arizona. Why? Why? Because Ken Wisenhut was my best friend. One of my best wow. friends. I was going to have to go out there and fire five guys that I won a Super Bowl with. Yeah. And I called Wizzy that morning. He said, you have to take this interview. You, you'll go, you have a shot at this job. I said, oh, I think wow. I'll just go back to Indy. And I said, so I called Wiz. I said, look, man, they want me to come in there and interview. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with it. And he said, no, dude. You you deserve this, Come, Michael. You and Michael will hit it off. He said, "Wow, I I I'm good with it." I said, "But dude, I'm gonna have to fire Russ, Ray all the guys we won a Super Bowl. Ray Horton. I mean, those, I had like five guys we were on Super Bowl with Pittsburgh. So I'm gonna have to let yeah. them go because they weren't coming with me in, in Chicago, and I'm keeping my guys." He said, mm-hmm. "They'll understand. They'll understand. They know the business." And uh, I thought about wow. it. And I t- I took the interview. Wow, Bruce. What does this mean to you personally? You 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 were pretty sure after a while you were never going to get a job, and now you're hoisting the Lombardi, the oldest coach ever to do so. It pisses me off, though. I ain't that old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Until I look in the mirror, I really ain't that old. 
in my mind, I'm, I'm like, they keep talking about this oldest coach. I'm like, wait a minute, that ain't me. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't even put it into words yet. Um, yeah. My son and I were walking off the field with my wife, and my daughter, and like, pops, can you believe this? I'm like, no, I, I really can't. I, I, I mean, just where we've been. You know, yeah. moves 19 times and, uh, um, to put us into reality will take a little time. And yeah. now that it's over, we can look in the rearview mirror because we've been just looking through the windshield and making sure we weren't the bug. <laughs> you know, I'll just I'll leave you with this. Your last three games, you beat Breeze, Rogers, and Mahomes. God darn, you 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 deserve it. Well, thank you, brother, because it was a team effort. I mean, a yeah. team. I mean, all three phases. Um, just played your asses off. I get, and I got to give all the credit to the coaches. Cause I, yeah. just, I just stand there and watch, man. <laughs> You've been really good with Leftwich. But anyway, hey, listen, congratulations. And have a great, great night. Have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate you, Appreciate it a lot. Bye. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. And now I'm sort of going to pick up my conversation with... um, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of the Bucks from post game in progress, uh, because I did not get a clean start recording it uh, for, uh, you know, to be transcribed after the game. Um, so here's Todd Bowles. We wanted to cover him up every way possible on first and second down and try to play the run with a too high look and then cover him up and get them in the third down, then we could do some blitzing and pressuring, or at least give them some different looks and make them think about it. Yeah. You know, the I, I really thought it was very interesting the way that you guys played Tyreek Hill. And, you know, you didn't, you kind of didn't let him breathe early. Can you tell me just a little bit about how you talked to your guys about playing Tyreek Hill after the last game? Well, we had some different coverages for this game that we kind of mixed and matched and kind of took advantage of certain things that we saw. But we knew if we played off of him, he's going to catch it and run by us. We knew if we played up on him, he's going to run by us regardless. So we tried to keep an eye on him and kind of had designs on him everywhere he was. We kind of knew where he was at and played certain things according to that, and it worked out for us. Um, how was – how, how were your guys approaching this game? You know, you, you told me last week, I thought what was really interesting is that, you know, 
in this game, in that game you played them the last time, that they don't carry things over. That you know, you you laughed about going to Lambeau Field. They don't know. They don't know the frozen tundra, and so I'm assuming that they can have a short memory about a lot of the things that happened the last time you played. I think they were embarrassed, but they learned how to be professionals about it from the last time we played them. The biggest thing was they wanted to come out and fight. We had to give them some tools to fight with and not just go out and be a slugfest because we know how talented those guys were. So we tried to get them to buy into the scheme and understanding what they were trying to do and how we were going to take it away more so than this this is the Chiefs again. And as long as they understood what was happening by formations and plays and they executed, they'd be fine, and they stuck with that. Todd, the one other thing that really just hit me, you know, like late in the first half I said that, you guys are really physically, you know, beating them up. And, and that's that's an exaggeration, obviously. But you were extremely physical against them. And it was – they were, they tried – I think they tried to be physical back, but even Brady was, was all over Tyron Matthew, you know. And what was it about – what what did you try to instill in them, or do you think that's just who guys like Devin White are? Uh, what, what was the last two weeks talking to your players like about the toughness that was going to be needed to win this game? Well, that's just who those guys are for the most part. But, you know, those guys are young, so the biggest thing they do is read and look at TV all the time, and nobody picked us and gave us a chance to win. Well, they were really pissed off about that. And, you know, combine that with the things we missed the first game and messed up, they really wanted to prove something tonight on the biggest stage against the best team. You know, they they, they faced Breeze with Thomas and Kamara. They faced Rodgers with Jones and Adams. Now they face Mahomes with Kelsey and Tyreek. And, you know, we earned it because we beat three of the best, so top five in the league. Yeah. Why were Why were they so pissed off? No, because they got embarrassed. Anytime somebody scores, uh, gets 200-something yards in the first quarter as a pass, you don't want to be a part of that. That's 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 kind of bad, and it's a credit to them. Again, they're a heck of a team, and they're a heck of a players. But, yeah. you know, for us to get to this point, we had to have mental growth, and I think the mental growth came with these guys, and, you know, tonight they tried to prove it. But also they were pissed off because nobody's giving them a chance. No, nobody's picked them. I mean, we earned our way here, and, and they probably shouldn't because they're the defending champs, and you always go with that, and they only lost two games, so we understand that. But they yeah. went in the game with the right mindset, and they came out on top. Um, what did you What did you say? Have you had a moment with any of your guys, like, you know, Devin White and or, or, or any of your guys yet to, to just talk to them and to appreciate it? Not really. Just out on the field when everybody's giving each other hugs, and I was just telling them I love them. They like adopted sons for me, and they all act like that. So you know, I got to get a big orphanage. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> I, I'll talk to them this week. So, but it, it was great. You know, just just happy to see those guys smile. Last thing I would ask you: Do you think, all things considered? This is the best game plan and performance by a defense that you choreographed and planned in your coaching career. 
Uh, this might be the best one that's worked. I thought I had some great ones that were shitty. <laughs> so it might be the best one that worked thus far. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I'm really, really happy for you, and uh, congratulations. Huh? Thanks, Peter. All the best to you. Appreciate it. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. My thanks to Byron Leftwich. Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles. And I'll just say one other thing. One of the reasons I appreciate these guys being available is that the media storm is crazy after the Super Bowl. And it was weird this year because you couldn't actually be there. You couldn't be in the locker room with them. So you had to trust that the work you put in like before going into the week where you would tell the PR staff and, and even I, I texted both head coaches before the game, hey, I'm, it's going to be a different year, but I'm really going to need you after the game if you can help. And then telling the PR staff, Nelson Luis and, and his staff in this instance were really fantastic to me uh, post-game. And I just appreciate that. Uh, they are the big reasons why, uh, uh, very big reasons about why I'm able to tell the stories that I can tell. So, my thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. Hope you enjoyed this very, very unlikely season because it was awfully different. And I've enjoyed bringing it to you and we'll continue to have podcasts throughout the off season. Um, and uh, if there are people who you'd love to hear from on the podcast, just send me a note. Either send me a note at peterkingfmia at gmail.com Send me a note to my, to my Twitter account, at Peter underscore King. Or um, you can send, send me a note in the comments section um, where you get your podcast. But I really appreciate you listening. Have a great winter. Hope it's a short one. Hope the groundhog was wrong. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Everybody.